broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's CW. Thanks for checking out this week's Midtown Business Radio show. I was joined in the studio by guest co-host, longtime friend of the show, Bo Wilkins from Sound River Advisors. And we were talking to Jordy Gamson, one of the co-founders of the Icebox, a promotional products company based here in Atlanta, and Gary Blaze, one of the founders of Encore Recycling, who's located out in Lithonia, Georgia. And I can tell you, at first glance, it may not seem all that interesting to be discussing recycling and promotional products. But man, these two guys are going to change your mind about that. Here's Jordy talking about how he and his partner, Scotty Alterman, came up with the idea of getting into the promotional products business and why they named it the Icebox. Through a bunch of conversations, we decided based on our similar business philosophy, and you know, it, it's also a very simple business. It's a, it's, it's a customer-centric, customer service business, and then when you can add a differentiator like having highly creative people or a highly creative art team and then having a, a a marketing face to the company then there's a lot of people that are in our industry that strive for mediocrity there's a lot of mediocrity yeah and so we felt like it's a good opportunity we branded ourselves from the very first day as cooler and better and different and um, we've since been able to capture some of that from just good luck by having our corporate office located in a really hot part of town in Emmon Park. Uh, so that has helped. Oh, that's where it is. I knew I had seen the mark before. I just couldn't, in my mind, I couldn't yeah, think of yeah, where I had the belt seen line. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the belt line, uh, we actually just did. I was looking at some video footage before I came here, but we did this free concert for the Atlanta Lantern Parade which is the parade that is on the Beltline, which if you haven't been there before, it's, it is like 30,000 people that come out to walk on the Beltline at night, and it starts right in our right behind our building on the Beltline. So we did a little free concert with this musician that we've been kind of working with. He was a, started off as a customer and has since become a friend. And so it's just a really cool part of town. There's been a, a lot of development that is authentic development. It's not just an ad concrete, make it look like any suburban structure. It's They're repurposing a lot of these older buildings, ours, mm-hmm being one of them and it just kind of helps add with the cool area where we have a lot of young millennial cool people that work with us very creative and it just it 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 helps us walk our walk instead of just talking and here's gary talking about how they can take an automobile that has reached the end of its usefulness and grind it into bits in eight seconds allowing them to reclaim and repurpose the variety of steel and other metals, including precious metals like you find in the various chips that are in the electronics of the car, and repurpose them in a variety of ways. Check it out. And then we ended up putting a building and auto shredding plant in Lawrenceville. So that's sort of a top tier type business. So there's, you know, there's all, you know, there's all the guys in the metals business, but then you get to the top level. So um, there's a lot of engineering and everything that goes, you know, there's a lot of power, rail, and engineering that goes in with putting an auto shredding plant. It's not an easy plant to do. It's not an easy feat. It's going to, you know, you got permitting, you got, you know, a lot of issues with environmental. For, For those that don't know what an auto shredder is, it's basically, it takes a commingled grade of metal and trash called an automobile at the end of its life cycle. So you have... You have upholstery, you have copper, you have aluminum, you have steel, and it's a, it's a basically like a huge, massive blender that chews it up into little pieces, and then through all types of really high-tech separating, it turns chicken trash into chicken salad. Uh, that's my analogy. In about so, eight seconds. Yeah. So we can shred yeah, a car yeah. in eight, sep- eight seconds wow. and separate all the metals. Yes. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, so yeah, at the, at the top, you know, so with my last company, Blazer Cycling Metals, which we sold in um, July of 07, we were shredding at, at the top of our business, I think close to 30,000 cars a month through God. one plant in Lawrenceville. So that gives you an idea of what you can produce. But then, you know, back in the day, you know, technology has changed since 06. So, you know, when we sold our business, we were basically you had to get out of the business for five years and we had a non-compete. So over that five-year period, the business has really changed. Now we're in the mining business. It's not really about the steel anymore. It's about everything else. It's about the copper, the aluminum, the palladium, the precious metal. I mean, all the different types of metals that go into, you know, go into a car. So we shred for steel and then we, we search and we mine. We mine the, all the other metals. The bits. The little pieces. So when you shred a car, there's always computer boards, there's pins, there's needles, yeah. industrial gold, silver, platinum, all different metals. So that's what we're going now, after now. How do you do that? We have eddy currents, which are reverse polarity magnets. We have um, X-ray equipment, like what you go through an airport. It's, it's high speed. It's high speed X-ray equipment that uh, it picks up a piece of metal. And as it's going down a, a high speed track, it takes a picture and then it blows over a gate. And we, <laughs> right, it, it's really it, 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 the technology is is really it, 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 it's advancing. Every year it gets better. better I'd like to and come and see it sometime. Oh, it's, 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 it's blowing it's, my mind. It's I had no absolute, idea. It's, so, and we're in the um, wire chopping business. So we separate plastic from copper or aluminum, uh, um, uh, plastic from copper or, or plastic from aluminum. So like we buy from utilities, we buy from electricians, we buy from other scrap dealers, and we process at high speed copper and aluminum through the wire chopping process. Stick around for the full interview with Bo Wilkins, Jordy Gamson, and Gary Blaze coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today. Joined in the studio by a friend of the show, Bo Wilkins from Sound River Advisors. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us at the uh, Midtown Mixer last night. It was great. Got Thanks to meet, for, meet a few folks. It was great. Thanks for hosting. Yeah, it was a pleasure. You guys will have to come to the next one. There'll be a quarterly mixer coming up here probably toward the end of October. So yeah, lots of people to meet. And, uh, you know, I look forward to meeting a couple of folks. You brought a couple of people that uh, know each other. And so looking like uh, it'll be a nice chance to uh, learn about some cool companies here in the Atlanta metro area. Tell folks about uh, Sound River Advisors for the folks who aren't familiar. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, too. Um, Sound River Advisors is a financial services company, and we deal with wealthy families doing wealth transfer planning, estate planning, and business owners doing business transition or exit planning, essentially uh, preparing a business for the eventual exit, whenever that may be. Not not too long ago, we we did a discussion. Not you and I per se, but one of the one of the earlier shows I did a few weeks ago. We were talking about transition planning. It sounds like it's one of those things where you kind of have to, if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, you you kind of have to have a measure of idea going in fairly early on. What do I want to do with this thing? Do I want to transition it down to the heirs? Do I or family? Do I want to try to sell it? Because I guess how you structure the company along the way and various choices that you make can impact those things on the end. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to sell to a third party is very different than selling to an insider. Um, you know, with, with very different outcomes, you manage things from a tax perspective differently. There's a lot of differences. Um, the key though, is what we tell business owners is that you want to operate sale ready. In other words, sort of football analogy would be you know, I don't think Tom Brady ever operates any other way but Super Bowl ready. I mean, he goes and plays this weekend. He's Super Bowl ready. You know, he doesn't wait till the end of the season to, to figure out. Oh, we gotta we gotta get our uh, ducks in order. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's um, and and behind that sale ready, it's it's getting a business owner or owners to slow down enough to work on the business rather than in the business and look at the value drivers in the business, even if they don't even have an exit plan for another decade. Do you see some areas with a business where the there's typical mistakes can be made that that can affect one of those two choices, whether I transition it to a family or or sell it? Do you see areas where mistakes are common? You know, not there's um, there's different things like operationally from a revenue perspective. One thing I do see is uh, over concentration in clients or customers. Real, you know, real narrow field of customers. I have a huge customer that brings us millions and millions of dollars, and then we got three others. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and another would be, you know, how are we accounting financially? Our reporting, um, and you know, so in other words, so that we can benchmark and track actually how we've been doing, and and actually keeping proper books and audits and all that stuff. So is, now, where does Sound River Advisors fit into that? We're the coordinator. We're the quarterback. So we assemble all the players that help the business owner, accountant, lawyer, investment banker, um, you know, uh, commercial banker valuation experts uh, that come in and affect all the work that needs to be done. So it could be, you know, we reviewed their buy-sell agreement and we saw some red flags uh, in the agreement that the owners didn't know uh, existed. So we need to get back with their lawyer and add these, rewrite, et cetera. At the same time, maybe they haven't done a valuation of the company in two or three years and the company has doubled in value and, in their buy-sell agreement, it doesn't account for that. So if one of the owners should die, for instance, how are we going to buy that stock? And typically that's funded with like an insurance policy, and we need to make sure that we have proper funding to do that. Talking with Bo Wilkins of Sound River Advisors. Now, from what I understand, one of the things that you do as a, as a consultancy is you also work with those privately held companies because many times, particularly if they've been around for a few years um, and they've got some growth and some sales going, then uh, they probably have one or two players who may not be a part of the family that have helped them grow um, key leadership positions, key sales positions, whatever the case may be. They're important to the business, integral to its success. Uh, they want to be able to reward them with a compensation plan that'll keep their competitor or some other company from swooping in and stealing them away. But at the same time, it's my family business. I don't want to give away my my family's, you know, equity in this business. So how do we compensate them from what yeah, you're saying? That's, that's a huge, things. that's a huge thing since business is picked back up. Um, business owners are very concerned with their good people getting poached and that's happening quite a bit. So it's a quandary of, you know, I don't want to give away equity. I want to keep equity in my company, but uh, I want to retain these top five people because they're driving the majority of the revenue. How do I do that? And, you know, one common way is just a phantom stock plan where we basically say, you know, we're going to reward you as the company grows. We're going to have an account for you that uh, is growing based on profitability of the company. So they are directly tied to making the company more profitable. Um, and essentially, you know, we're just building a, 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 a phantom stock for you so that if there is a sale, you're going to get rewarded as if you were a shareholder, but you're really not. Mm -hmm. And what's the relationship like with your client? I mean, is it a, is it kind of a project based or do you get involved with them and you're kind of consulting with them on an ongoing basis over time? How, how often uh, the, are you touching them? The latter it's, um, you know, we'll either do on the transition exit planning, you know, we'll either do just fee based consulting project, building the roadmap. 
assembling all the advisors on the advisory team. And then implementation of that is typically about a two-year project. can be more. can be up to seven years, um, depending on what we're trying to do. Um, and then underneath that, um, there's other side projects. But typically, there's we're always – you know, we're in touch with our clients a lot and there's usually, you know, we'll move from one project to the next, not always on the exit planning, uh, on that piece that's fee based. Sometimes we will be doing non fee generating work as well. Now, is there a kind of a sweet spot, a, a typical picture, if you will, of what the customers look like, the clients that you're working with, the, maybe a typical size or a typical vertical? Is there a, yeah, I would a, say the average on, on, on average, it's a, privately held business, uh, oftentimes family held and call it 50 million of revenue would be kind of the average, Okay, which is a spot that we like. Um, we like dealing with the owners and having, having access to the owners. Um, and so you, you know, you sort of, as you get higher and higher, you, you lose access and, and we want to be able to have a personal relationship with the owners. Mm-hmm. Now you brought with you a couple of folks, or at least one who brought one. Um, you want to introduce us to uh, to yeah. who we got here in the studio? Yeah. So Jordy Gamson, a good friend of mine and a client, and uh, he and his partner Scotty Alterman have built and are building a heck of a company uh, here in town called Icebox, which a lot of people have heard of, and uh, corporate promotional goods. And I'll let Jordy say more, but they, um, have done a, an excellent job. They do an excellent job branding and marketing in what they do for their clients. And they've done an excellent job of branding and marketing themselves as well. So it's a, it's a neat story. And, uh, and, and, and then Jordy brought Gary blaze and I'll let Jordy <laughs> tell a little bit more about that. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, uh, so the Icebox is, uh, a company that, uh, that my business partner, Scott Alterman, Scott Alterman and I started back in 2001. And the whole concept, uh, behind it was, uh, promotional products and apparel doesn't have to be, um, uncomfortable or something you would receive for free and then throw out because it's not cool or it's not relevant or it's not something you can use in your, um, daily life. So, uh, from the very beginning, we set out to find the coolest items possible, hence our name, the Icebox, because you get cool things okay. out of an Icebox. I was curious. Yeah. And um, and then uh, we have, over the last probably five or six years, made a major push into the uniform space. So uniform for uh, casual, quick-service restaurants, um, chains like Moe's, Southwest Grill, okay. or um, Longhorn Steakhouse and others. So... Uh, so that is a, a big push that we've been, uh, working really hard. And it's, uh, it's amazing how, uh, a big country like the U.S., there's a lot of overlap and people that may have worked at one brand in that space may be working at a different brand five years later because they stay in the industry. So it's been, a, it's, we've had a lot of good growth there. So rewind a little bit for me, because I was reading on the website your story, written by Scotty, um, that talked about the fact that over time you guys had known each other, gotten together for lunch a few times, had some conversations. What what was your your mutual background? All right, so this is this is going to kind of bring Gary into the fold. So I used to be in the scrap metal industry, and Gary is in the scrap metal industry. We know each other from the scrap metal industry. I can see that scrap metal yeah. to promotional Absolutely. products. Yeah, it's yeah. a natural connection. Yeah, it's, it's a, a natural connection. Yeah. 
So, uh, so Greg, Scott's brother, actually used to sell me shirts back when I was in the scrap industry. So um, we, uh, we had offices across the halls from each other. And so we be, so Scott and Greg and I, we became good friends. We'd have breakfast every morning. I would go and uh, cry on their shoulder when one of my pieces of equipment would break down or somebody wouldn't show up to work. And then they would come cry on my shoulder when they'd misprint a bunch of shirts for some something. So uh, we became good friends. We we had we discovered we had a very similar business philosophy. And um, Gary, I met at a party about uh, 25 years ago. And, <laughs> and Gary was my customer. So, uh, so I had met him on the telephone and, um, and then we, we started doing business. We immediately liked each other. We just kind of hit it off and, and his older brother and I also knew, know each other and his younger brother, we all know each other. And so I'm, I'm at a party, maybe a, a week or two after my first conversation with Gary on the telephone and I, and there's this guy and what's your name? Gary, Gary Blaze. So we, um, you, we started talking for the big company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they had actually just started in business. This was, what year did y'all start? 90. It was like 92, right? 92. So they were, they were literally a, a startup back before right. startup was even a term. Mom and pop business, right? Yeah. Legitimately. Now yeah. you were a client of your business. So how, yeah, well, so that? no, I worked for a, for a local scrap processor and, and I bought scrap. I see. So my, my family also was in the same business, but in Florida, but that's unrelated. So I, I'm kind of from the business. I'm from the industry. And, uh, so I'm talking to Gary and then we, Gary and I have a lot in common. So we are, um, uh, first off, my birthday is December 11th. His birthday is December 10th. Or 12th. Your birthday is the 11th. 12th. Okay. So yours is a, your, on the 11th. Uh, how about that? Okay. <laughs> so, so, um, we're sad heavy so today. I have, I have a, uh, a, a 14 year old son and a 12 year old daughter and he has the same, although his son just turned 15. He is the middle son of three brothers. I'm the middle son of three brothers. His father is of three brothers. My father is of three brothers. <laughs> um, and we could go on and on. And so we, we just have a lot in common. We, and we have very similar business philosophies and just philosophies in general. So, We've been really good friends. Our children are best friends. Our wives are best friends. Every, everything has been, we, we're close. So, um, so that is how I know Gary. And, uh, and I thought Gary would be a good addition to the show because he's got a great story. I'll, I'll stop talking about Icebox for a second and let Gary tell about his story because it's a, it's a good one. Well, I mean, I don't know what the, which story you're talking about. You're talking oh, the about lie. the lie. Yeah, take the us back. Fabricated. Yeah, take, take us back. back. Take yeah, you that's back. part of the story. Take you back to the day when we when we started buying scrap. Uh, we were the first scrapyard on the uh, north side of town. I was at the University of Georgia, and I was sort of lost at the University of Georgia. I was like, you know, it was my fourth year, and I'm like, oh, what am I doing here? I'm ready to do something, okay? And I, I, and recycling became, you know, it's like this big thing along at campus. It's recycling was the future. We got to recycle cans, this, that, and the other. And I said to myself, recycle cans, really? So my family has been, we were in the industrial machine, we were in the oil business and then the industrial machinery business. And we always had scrap metal. We would always buy plants. And then when you bought a plant, you'd always, when you're tearing something out, you'd always have scrap metal to get rid of. So we'd always sell to the local scrap dealers. So we were on the north side of town and we always generated scrap from every deal that we did. As I was growing up, you know, I used to pick up cans along 85. My grandfather would kick me out of the car and he'd make me pick up cans on 85. You know, so I'm like, cans, really? Okay. This is the future. I'm like, so I knew everybody, you know, I knew the London, you know, I grew up around the metals business. I knew the, all the, you know, all the old guys, the Londons, the, you know, uh, the, you know, the, you know, when they sold out the Mendes metals, uh, the Newell recyclings of the world. Um, the Perkles, all the players in the business, we, you know, I'd been around them all my life. And then 
we um, I talked my younger brother who didn't go to college uh, into opening up uh, the scrapyard on the north side of town. So he started buying scrap on the north side of town, and um, I was you know over time I was getting bored at the university, so I transferred to uh, Georgia State and uh, ended up getting my BBA in marketing from Georgia State and finished up at Georgia State while I was helping him get the business started. So uh, we started buying and selling scrap, and then we started just really competing with the older guy. Everybody, all these old guys, they were fat cats sitting around. They made a bunch of money. It was It's pretty much a keep it simple, stupid business, but no one really understands it because it's, it's, it's a very dirty business. But, you know, remember, the dirtier the business, the more money you can make. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started buying scrap uh, on, on the north side of town. And, you know, one thing, you know, we, you know, one account led to the next account, led to the next truck, led to the uh, next big industrial account, to the next big piece of equipment. And we started process, you know, we started doing what the guys were doing on the south, you know, and, and the, the guys in town, the scrap metal yards were doing in town on the north side of town. So we were the first scrap yard on the north side of town. And then we ended up putting a building an auto shredding plant in Lawrenceville. So that's sort of a top tier type business. So there's, you know, there's all, the, you know, there's all the guys in the metals business, but then you get to the top level. So um, there's a lot of engineering and everything that goes, you know, there's a lot of power, rail, and engineering that goes in with putting an auto shredding plant. It's not an easy plant to do. It's not an easy feat. It's going to, you know, you got permitting, you got, you know, a lot of issues with environmental. For, for those that don't know what an auto shredder is, it's basically, it takes a commingled grade of metal and trash called an automobile at the end of its life cycle. So you have... You have upholstery, you have copper, you have aluminum, you have steel, and it's a, it's a basically like a huge, massive blender that chews it up into little pieces, and then through all types of really high-tech separating, it turns chicken trash into chicken salad. Uh, that's my analogy. In about so, eight seconds. Yeah. So we can shred yeah, a car yeah. in eight, sep- eight seconds wow. and separate all the metals. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, at the, at the top, you know, so with my last company, Blazer Cycling Metals, which we sold in um, July of 07, we were shredding at the, at the top of our business, I think close to 30,000 cars a month through one plant in Lawrenceville. So that gives you an idea of what you can produce. But then, you know, back in the day, you know, technology has changed since 06. So, you know, when we sold our business, we were basically you know, had to get out of the business for five years and we had a nine compete. So over that five-year period, the business has really changed. Now we're in the mining business. It's not really about the steel anymore. It's about everything else. It's about the copper, the aluminum, the palladium, the precious metal. I mean, all the different types of metals that go into, you know, go into a car. So we shred for steel, and then we, we search and we mine, we mine the, all the other metals. The bits. The little pieces. So when you shred a car, there's always computer boards, there's pins, there's needles, yeah. industrial gold, silver, platinum, all different metals. So that's what we're going now, after now. How do you do that? We have eddy currents, which are reverse polarity magnets. We have um, X-ray equipment, like what you go through an airport. It's it's high speed. It's high speed X-ray equipment that uh, it picks up a piece of metal, and as it's going down a, a high speed track, it takes a picture and then it blows over a gate. And we are, <laughs> right, it, it's really it, 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 the technology is is really it's it, it's advancing every year. It gets better. better I'd like and to better. come and see it. Sometime, oh, it's it's, it's, abso- it's blowing it's, my mind. It's I had no absolutely. Idea. It's, so, and we're in the um, wire chopping business. So we separate plastic from copper or aluminum, uh, um, uh, plastic from copper or, or plastic from aluminum. So, like we buy from utilities, we buy from electricians, we buy from uh, other scrap dealers, and we process at high speed copper and aluminum through the wire chopping process how many people are doing this what you're doing in atlanta there's a there's one well there were three companies that were shredding in atlanta and my last company got consumed by a company about Newell by the name of Newell. so it's just us and a company called Newell recycling now they are the they are the, the thousand pound gorilla mm-hmm. okay we've just 
got back, you know, we've only been back in the business for a year and a half. Right. But that's our competition. So everybody got, you know, consolidated. Now it's, again, it's us and Null again. So it's the same players, <laughs> you know, in the, in the same market. So if you're going to, you know, it's the top tier players. If you're in the auto shredding business or the wire chopping business, it's you and then everybody else because it it's, you know, it's capital intensive. I was going to say seven, eight, seven, eight figures for them. So we just, fin- we're not done with our plant. We just have, we're probably close to 25 million on this plant in Lithonia we spent building this plant in Lithonia. It's pretty, um, it's probably one of the nicest in the country with regards to uh, auto shredding and wire chopping. It's uh, it's a pretty amazing plant. So We're talking with Gary Blaze of Encore Recycling and Jordy Gamson of the Icebox. And of course, Bo Wilkins is with us in the studio. I have seen those yards around, recycling yards and stuff, and I just had no idea the level of technology that is going into it now. Well, most of them don't have the level of technology that Gary has, and that, that that's their big differentiator. They've invested in this equipment that is coming from literally all over the, the planet. I mean, it comes from France and Germany. Germany. And so it's it's really, really high-tech stuff. Now, I'm not 60 Minutes, so I'm not trying to get a gotcha question in here. I'm just very curious because one of the things that we see on the news all the time are the gobbrones that go down and they cut cut wires off the lines and things like that. How does the industry, how do you fight that? Oh, my gosh. it's it, it, We've been fighting it for years. But, okay, you know, we, we ID, fingerprint, take pictures, um, uh, li- uh, uh, pictures of license. I mean, we do every, we do the, whatever the government tells us to do, we follow their procedure. Okay. From, you know, from, it doesn't matter if it's a manufacturer or an individual, we have, we get the proper documentation and we take pictures of everything. So if you come into our yard, we have a picture of you. We have your picture of your ID. We have your signature. We have your fingerprint. We have everything. So that's, that's how the, you know, the government, the, the, well, that's how we're wrestling. You know, that's how we wrestle with the people. And so I guess the, the companies where these folks are going to, to sell their stolen wares, they're, they're, taking advantage of ones or they're complicit with ones that don't do that stuff. Exactly. So yeah, there's other, you know, there's other smaller yards that will, you know, break, you know, it's like they're breaking the law, but you know, they're paying cash for their scrap. It's not documented. Um, But you know, a lot of times people, when they go pick up scrap, you know, they'll bring a, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars in and give it to the person. And there's no, there's no history of it. So, I mean, the industry is very, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. You know, it's like you have a, you know, individuals that are just scrapping things out and then you have a top tier, you know, metal recycler that's following, you know, playing by all the rules. Right. Now, how, how extensively can you use all the materials that you get? You spin that car down in eight seconds and you mine out the precious metals and all of that. How much of that can actually get reused and repurposed? Well, when we, when we shred, you know, when we shred a car, we figure there's 25. So when we shred a car, there's usually 75% metals. Okay. And then, you know, 25% of everything else. Okay. So 75% steel and then the byproduct of everything else, the aluminum, the copper, uh, uh, the, the brass stainless, uh, the, the, the catalytic, all, all the different metals that go into an automobile. So yeah, there's about 25% of waste that we mine. We, so we'll, we're working on breaking that 25% down to, to as little as we can send to the landfill. I mean, we, it costs us a lot of money to landfill scrap, you know, to landfill the waste. So we want to mine it as, you know, as much as we can and pull all the metals out before we send the waste to the landfill. Gary, and who's your, who are your purchasers? Who's buying this? The, the the um you know the precious metals so we have you know there's there's companies over in Europe 
I mean, there's a company called Rubus. There's some other companies. You know, there's brokers that buy it. Um, basically, what you do is you, t- you know, it's a byproduct that, that, that's blended that you send you send a sample and it'll tell you how much gold, silver, uh, different uh, precious PMs are in there. It's primarily copper with precious metals in there. So it goes to a refinery that breaks it down and they give you the units of gold or silver in the uh, in the copper units and they're separating it y'all are y'all they're they're taking what they'll buy that then they'll do the separation at the refinery yeah they melt it down and they break it down and they pull the gold out and pull the silver out these metals have different melting points so they're able to separate it so when you're getting all these vehicles where does where do the vehicles come from that are getting to the point where it's time to shred them it's just end of use you know so we're the last you know so most of the cars we buy from um are auto parts yards right that's where we get the volume, you know, because we are in the volume business. We're right. not in the one, you know, yeah. you know, we have to shred a lot of cars to you right. know, keep this plant running. And uh, um, so but primarily we're dealing with the auto, you know, auto parts shards, but we buy from everybody. It doesn't matter. We don't, you know, we don't discriminate. We'll buy from an individual, we'll buy from a manufacturer, we'll buy from an auto parts dealer. We buy from everybody. So if I've got a junker sitting in my yard, what's it <laughs> worth to me? Um, you know, on average, a, you know, a, a a junker in your car is probably about four hundred. I guess at the last time it was about four hundred dollars, four to wow. four to five hundred dollars. And what's it? What's it flow out the other end when you sell all the? We try and uh, double it. Yeah, uh, really. The, I was I was going to guess several times more than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, on on you know, on, we just it, there's a lot there's a lot of moving pieces right now with what's going on with our business uh, on the on the PM side, but we we try to it's a double. Now, one of the things I saw on the the website for Encore Recycling was the one of the things that you all take pretty seriously is safety and environment. Talk about that a little bit, because I'm sure that distinguishes you a little bit from some of the other players that are out there doing this. Well, I mean, you know, everything's you know, everything's gauged from admissions to uh, uh, water runoff. I mean, we we, te- we you know we use a company out of uh, Norcross called CTI, and they do all the testing. You know, it's a it's a third party testing that comes. They come out and they test our water. They test our uh, admissions. They test everything that we're doing. They walk around the facility. They make sure that we're doing everything that we're supposed to do and to be environmentally sound. But yes, yeah, so, uh, most most of these other companies don't even you know I would say don't even use you know third party testing or test and, and make sure that they're being environmentally sound. I mean we. Sure, there's plenty of fluids and different things like that that'll come out of those cars. Yeah, they're dry. The, 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 so the fluids are dry before everything's before anything happens. Everything is drained out of the car, so there's no the the, the fluids are you know actually they're worth a lot. You know, like the the oil is you know yeah. you you can find the oil, you can refine the the gas, uh, the um, antifreeze. I mean, everything is you know recyclable. It's pretty amazing how you can just start recycling. You know, and, and there's you know I think the last time I checked, I think they're paying probably a dollar a gallon for gas. So you know they'll pay you a dollar a gallon for all the used gas that you're getting. So it's 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 profitable if you you know if you capture it, yeah. And if you can find an eight track player still in one of those cars, you could probably sell that yeah. for a pretty penny. Worth a dollar. It's worth it's worth the, the dollar, the same dollar. <laughs> the dollar. <laughs> the dollar. <laughs> Everything's a dollar. Yeah, it's a dollar exactly. We got to make a dollar. <laughs> so where do, what's on the horizon for you guys? Because obviously you talked about the fact that technology is changing. I mean, where's this going? Um. I think we're going to be spending more time. Um, it's it's going towards the precious metals. I mean, so the when we were shredding, when I told you we shred as many as thirty thousand cars a month, we weren't the the amount of metal that we were landfilling. We were we were missing steel. We were missing. We weren't even capturing the the copper wire 
that was coming out of cars. So every car has a, uh, a wiring harness, and it's probably about 100 to 150 pounds in every car. Wow. So every car that we shred, we couldn't get that wire. We couldn't, you know, and copper's worth what today, about two, 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 220 or so. Um, so now um, we have equipment that gra- captures the copper. So that's like we're shredding for steel. Remember, we're buying and trying to break even on the steel. We make money on everything else. Okay, so it's everything else is free, right? So that's our. So when you say we know what's your what's your profit? Steel's the loss leader. Everything. It's sort of yeah. It's a break. If we can break even on the steel, or maybe lose a little bit of money, we can we can make up for it on the copper side, the aluminum side, the stainless side. You know, if you came out to the plant, you would understand. I could say, hey, look at you know, look look at that. That's what we get, and that's that. All that metal is free. We're buying for steel, and we capture everything else. It's free if you put $25 million into a plan. Yeah, exactly. That's right, <laughs> yes, to, to be able to get to it. Yeah, but yeah I, I shouldn't use the free term, but it really is. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a byproduct that we generate, that, uh, that's, and it's going to the precious metals. We're, that's, we're in, you know, we're, 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 the R&D, that, the people that we're working with, um, there is so, you know, there is so much industrial gold, silver, um, uh, in every, you know, in, in computers, every car, you know, every car, you have, have computers in a car, you know, you have all the connectors, the pins, the, um, the, the you know, the computers out of uh, the, um, the storage facilities. Uh, it's just, it's amazing how you wouldn't believe any type of electrical room is going to have industrial silver in there, industrial gold for the, for the corrosion. So, you know, we look for, we, we're looking for metal, we're going towards the precious side, which we mm-hmm. never did before. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the money is. I mean, if you can sell a load of copper and you you sell a load of copper for $100,000, but you get an extra $20,000 in precious metals, I mean, it adds up when you're selling daily. Mm-hmm. We've been talking with Gary Blaze of Encore Recycling. It's fascinating to hear all the different technology and the things they're able to do. And it's really actually encouraging to hear t- how extensively now you're able to extract all these items that would, as you say, end up in a landfill someplace, basically sitting there unless somebody goes out and mines in a landfill somehow. But um, do, do you have any idea on the impact? What, what If I'm buying, if I'm a, a manufacturing company and I need raw materials, how does the cost of that uh, processed, recycled, recaptured gold, for example, or whatever the metal is that you're able to resell, how does that compare to mined metal you know what i'm saying is so it more it, cost efficient for me to buy the repurposed than mined i would absolutely, think it is absolutely the absolutely they would rather buy the recycle it's the same it's the same quality so if they can extract the gold or the silver out of our metal it's a lot cheaper than going to a mine and digging it up out of a mine i mean it's there it's it's there it's it we're delivering it every day we're we're, we're producing it every day Okay, if if we can if we can sell a product that they can use, yes, it's it's it, it's more beneficial for a company to use the the metals, the scrap metals, and recycle it. Then, of course, digging it out of the ground, shipping it around the country, around the world, actually. So, who who who's your customer? Who needs to know that you're here? Well, you know, our business is pretty much it's a word of it's a word of mouth business. We really don't do any we don't do any advertising. Uh, you know, our team of people goes out. Our team of uh, a buyer we have buyers, so everybody's going to listen to us. It's all about the price. So our business is about price, and people call us. What are they, you know? What are you guys paying compared to your competition, and so on and so forth. So it's it's a price based business. So if if we have the if we have the price or we're within the freight cost, people are going to come to us. Yes, we want to, you know, we want to tell everybody, you know, of course, we want to tell everybody about us and we want everybody to come to us. But, you know, if, if it does, sometimes it really just doesn't make sense for somebody to pass, you know, my competition like Newell, which is, you know, if they're passing Newell to come to me, 
uh, it, you know, I tell them, I'm like, okay, the freight costs, you know, right. you're going to get the same money from them as you are from me. So go to them. I'll save you some money. We, maybe we can work on, you know, because we're in the copper bin. We'll maybe work on something on the non-ferrous side, the copper side. Um, but uh, or some some people just like us, so they just want to come to us. They'll drive by our competition and just come to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty amazing. Um, if you want information about their company, you can go to onsorerecycling.net. Lots of information about the different services they provide, from their commercial solutions, trading services, retail trade, and then talks a little bit about the family history, how the business has been. Uh, part of your family, basically, what thirty years did I did I hear? It's 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 about it, it's about a little bit of twenty plus yeah, years, yeah. yeah. But we've been in the business for the family's been in the business for as long as I can remember. Atlanta based and uh, clearly yeah. elevating the 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 space that you're operating in. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the technology is really amazing. I'll have to get you out there. <laughs> well, let's get back to to, to the icebox because uh, we were talking about the cool stuff that you sell. We talked mm-hmm. about the fact that you mm-hmm. came originally from that kind of space where you were working in the recycling space and you had a good friend. You were having some conversations. Hey, we want to get together. What made you land on promotional products? So one thing Gary did not mention is the price of the commodities are cyclical. They're they're driven by supply and demand, just like any other commodity. So this was back in. Late 2000, 2001 was a, actually a downturn in the, in the metal markets as well as the, there was an economic downturn. So, and a lot of the, a lot of the volume that Gary's doing is based on those prices. So this was a time where the market was about to take a nosedive and I recognize that. So my business partner, Scott, was in a similar business across the hall in an office building that we were both that we were my company was located in so was his so we we just started talking and really because I knew that I was getting out of the scrap business and and it started off as just a very simple conversation that I was having with a variety of people never intending to get into the promotional product and uniform business. So so through a bunch of conversations, we decided based on our similar business philosophy, and you know, it, it's also a very simple business. It's a, it's, it's a customer-centric, customer service business. And then when you can add a differentiator like having highly creative people or a highly creative art team, and then having a, a a marketing face to the company, then there's a lot of people that are in our industry that strive for mediocrity. There's mm-hmm. a lot of mediocrity. yeah. And so we felt like it's a good opportunity. We branded ourselves from the very first day as cooler and better and different. And um, we've since been able to capture some of that from just good luck by having our corporate office located in a really hot part of town in Emmon Park. Uh, so that has helped. <laughs> oh, that's where it is. I knew I had seen the mark before. I just couldn't, in my mind, I couldn't yeah, think the, of where yeah, I had the belt seen line. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so the Beltline, uh, we actually just did. I was looking at some video footage before I came here, but we did this free concert for the Atlanta Lantern Parade which is the parade that is on the Beltline, which if you haven't been there before, it's, it is like 30,000 people that come out to walk on the Beltline at night, and it starts right in our right behind our building on the Beltline. So we did a little free concert with this musician that we've been kind of working with. He was a, started off as a customer and has since become a friend. And so it's just a really cool part of town. There's been a, a lot of development that is authentic development. It's not just an ad concrete, make it look like any suburban structure. It's They're repurposing a lot of these older buildings, ours mm-hmm. being one of them. And it just kind of helps add with the cool area where we have a lot of young millennial cool people that work with us very creative and it just it 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 helps us walk our walk instead of just talking now you were mentioning your business philosophy that you shared with scotty talk about that what 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 was it that resonated 
It's a lot of it's 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 super simple golden rule type stuff. Uh, it, the company is um, not about he or I. It's about the people that we've been able to attract, and they are the reason we're successful. They're a lot more creative than than I am, and uh, and he would probably say that they they, they are more creative than, than him, although he's more creative than I am as well. Um, they um, we. To be good, do good by your customers, do good by your employees. It's the simple stuff that most people actually think they think they do well, but they really don't. And and everybody likes Jordy. He's Switzerland. The mayor of the town. That's right. I can see that. Um, so for you, uh, I, I you know, just looking at your website, obviously, it's not just I've I've talked to a few promotional products companies along the way since I've been doing this for the last year. And your your website is certainly different than what I've seen. Everybody else is just basically a, almost immediately front page. First thing you see is more or less an online catalog. Right. I, I haven't seen any of that stuff yet. I've I've not dug too deep, but it's 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 a lot about your story. It's a lot about your culture. Um and I think that that certainly leaps out. Is there, is your, how wide is your following? Well, our, if by following, I, I would, I would sum up our following is we have about 7,000 customers. So that's a, that's a, that's our customer base. And that consists of anything from a national nonprofit, a national restaurant chain to a one location. Um, it could be a doctor's office, uh, and everybody and anybody in between. Um, so, and then our following also is our employees and just the friends to the of the company. So well, it's uh, really everybody, isn't it, Jordy? I mean, you sell to anybody. Anybody could be a customer. I told uh, Jordy the the I'm about to place one of the largest orders. Asked him if he'd do an eight T-shirt order. So you know, and for Bo, for Bo, we would. Were they going to try to scale up for that? <laughs> What's that? Were they going to scale up for that? <laughs> yeah. Oh We're yeah. Bring yeah. some summer help and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get some. Because I told him help. I'm going to inspect every single one with a fine <laughs> tooth comb. I mean, I'm. So. <laughs> now you mentioned being creative. Uh, to what extent can you design something? I mean, how how far uh, we, can you go? we we go as far as so uniform programs are is a big segment for us. So we will uh, go to uh, a lot of brands. Um, well, w- uniforms in particular happen to be a really personal thing for uh, for employees because they're they're wearing them. They're wearing them on their bodies. They they wear them for every hour that they're working. So their comfort, their feel, their care. How they wash, how they um, shrink, everything. There's a lot that goes into it. And today, now that the economy is back on an uptick, um, a lot of these chains are competing for the employees. So they, so if you are, if you have a a um, a food and beverage facility at a shopping mall, uh, and then you are a, a typical employee could be an 18 year old to a 30 year old. Uh, you have a lot of options today. You can go work at any. There could be 30, 30 places you can go work that are looking for applicants. So one differentiator for these brands are the actual uniform. I don't know. This this will date me, but everybody that is um, in their late 30s or mid 40s will remember Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the oh, scene yeah. where uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he just quit his job. Judge, Judge Reinhold. Yes, Judge yeah, Reinhold, he just yes. quit his job, and he's there and looks over at a traffic light, and he sees <laughs> this good-looking girl, and he's wearing his pirate hat. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the pirate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I so, was thinking about Yeah, so uh, you're not going to hire people if you're going to make them wear the pirate hat uniform anymore. It's just not going to happen. So we are the antithesis of the pirate hat uniform, and you'd be surprised because you, you don't see pirate hat uniforms unless you're like at Disney or something, but, uh, but even – 
some major brands uh, will have uniforms that I'll look at it and I'll know immediately that they're made out of substandard materials. They're not comfortable. They, you're almost begging your person to quit. Um, and and it's a it's a real factor today. It's it's kind of like having to go through a minor humiliation every time you get dressed to go to work. I guess to see yourself in the mirror and go, oh. right. Well, our, our job is to <laughs> is to where our customers don't have employees that have to deal with the minor humiliation. Talking with Jordy Gamson from the Icebox, the people that make the coolest promotional products around, and and we're talking about the fact that one of the lines of business that they pivoted to go into is getting into uh, uniforms for, uh, as you say, a lot of restaurants, for example, and other businesses. Now, obviously, for the business owner that's listening to this, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I'm sure that their their employees are wearing those cruddy, cheap-looking uniforms is for that very reason. We want to keep it cheap. We don't want to spend a lot of money. How does how do your cool icebox uniforms compare to that crappy bummer of a uniform that they've got their folks in right now? A, a lot of times, it's really just a matter of having better options, and the costs are comparable. So, so it's not always um, cruddy is not always synonymous with low cost. Uh, you can you do get what you pay for. So that's uh, that's true in our business as it is in a lot of other businesses. So, but there there's a lot of other value. First off, uh, wearability and um, and how long the the they're you know the uniforms are made out of either a cotton or a cotton poly blend and eventually just like a brake pad they will especially in a high soil environment like a restaurant they're going to get stained they're going to they're going to eventually be uh, no no longer suitable for wearing but if you can get another six months out of a shirt and it may cost you a little bit more up front if you look at it from an economic model you're actually spending less money so uh, and in some cases. Uh, you're just getting softer, better fabrics, and it's worth paying a little bit more money. If you're going to be working 40 hours a week and you're going to be wearing something, comfort is a consideration. Jordy, I have a question. You you guys are winning significant business in this space. Um, restaurant franchisees, national big chains. Um, how are you doing that? How are you competing against, and I'm going to get some of these companies wrong, like an Angelica or vf i don't know if vf is in the you know when you are you yeah. bumping up against those guys and you're winning business so how are you doing it well i, I would say like a centos uh which okay. is a which is like the thousand pound gorilla in our industry mm-hmm. so first off the uh they're a public company they're they're a much larger company than we are but um we have we are first off we're a lot closer to the customer so you mentioned you like to get in with the ownership of your customer bow uh, we we like to get into the to the real stakeholders uh, as well, and they're talking to the decision makers uh, on our side of the equation. So if um, if if a decision needs to be made or something, we need to be nimble. Um, we we can do that because we're we, we're we're just capable of making very quick decisions and executing very quickly. And we don't we're not a huge bureaucratic behemoth which can't turn with in a in a very short radius um so um so that's helped another thing is we've proven ourselves in other concepts and the this the uniform space happens to be probably similar to medical or other where you have the same people they 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 may work for one brand for five or six years and that brand may get bought out by private equity or whatever and then they move on to another brand so we've worked with a lot of the same people three or four times already in, in in a matter of 10 years so now, do you see yourself going into that medical space at all, or, or no? Uh, we we do have customers that are in the medical space. Uh, 
I personally like the food and beverage because it's just it, there's it's everybody's a customer, so you have to kind of stop and choose and specialize at some point. We do work with with uh, medical practices. We work with hospitals. We do uniforms for hospitals. We do. Uh, it, there's really no there's no one that is not a, a potential customer. It's really a matter of how can we focus our time to to get as deep penetration into any particular vertical. So you have scrubs. We can do scrubs. Can. <laughs> <laughs> so is there information out there about, I'm sure there is, about how valuable it is to have something for for our for our network, we have the mugs, and everybody knows the mugs. Seems like, but I mean, how important is that for your for your brand and establishing a brand to be putting something out there that you can either give to prospective customers, happy customers, whatever the case may be? I mean, it's 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 a big a big way to position your brand in front of people, uh, whether they realize it or not. I mean, just looking around this room, I see I see two or three brands represented. Uh, a couple of them are are your brand because I'm looking at it on these mugs, and then another one is is another local um, uh, company that that actually is one of my customers. So we may have actually done that. What what you're about to drink out of? Yeah. So uh, so you're so I don't know you 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 brought that to work today. I don't know if that if you keep that particular we call those drinking vessels. I don't know if you. Uh, if you keep it here or if you bring it from home and in your car, I carry it all the, all okay. the time. So, so the brand that's on there is, is with you all the time. So whether you realize it or not, they're, they're in your brain. And, um, so this is what we call desk real estate, even though this is a more of a, of a studio, not a conventional office. But if somebody is working at a conventional office, we would want to advise our customer to, if, if it's appropriate for them to try to command some piece of desk real estate. Um, so the decision maker who's on the phone, living their life every day, doing they're, they're looking at your brand. They may not realize they're looking at it, but they're looking at it every day. Uh, the same is true with lifestyle uh, utility items, whether it's something that's in the car or uh, some kind of charger or some kind of iPhone case or some kind of something where they're constantly um, looking at your brand. And it does make a difference. And the one thing I'd comment on, because I went to your Swagology <laughs> event that they do once a year, Correct. Yeah. So they they had all the companies that they represent, the products that they put their clients into, the offerings. And the one thing that was really cool is that, that you guys use super high quality and and creative things, but they're they're not at any at any in any respect throwaway at all. In fact, I, mean, I got a ton of ideas of stuff that's like super high quality stuff to for me to take to my clients to leave with them to to exactly your point. I yeah. wanted to take his umbrella today. <laughs> right. See, that's a, a, that's a utility umbrella. item. So an yeah. umbrella, we did not invent the umbrella. But when you give a client an umbrella and it's raining like it is today or like it has been for the last two weeks, you know, it, it, an umbrella comes in pretty handy. Especially if it's a good one. It is a good yeah. one. It was a nice yeah. one. He's holding it well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that I, I like is getting into the things that somebody is going to use. You know, the squeezy toys that everybody likes to give away at the conventions, I guess it's because it's cheap. And a lot of people associate promo items like the low-cost promo items with, with cheap and uh, and is this something that's really going to change my life? Well, the, the purpose of those are called stress toys in our in, yes. in our space. So, so the purpose of a trade show giveaway is really to get them from that center aisle into your booth. So 
if once they're in the booth and then, then the the giveaway has done its job you've gotten your roi you have the the person they what, what lured them in maybe that stress toy so they can give to their child so when they rush home and don't stop at the airport gift shop to get their kid a toy the here's your toy um <laughs> The but once they're in the booth, then you can actually tell them about what you do and the service or product you sell, and and but the the, the product itself has already done its job. We've been talking with promotional products expert Jordy Gamson for the Icebox from here in the Atlanta area, and clearly it's a, it's a lot more than just having some gizmos to give away. I mean, there's there's some measure of real value and ROI for your business to be putting something in the hands of your customers and their pro- and prospects uh, that has your brand on it that's going to keep you close to top of mind. Now, is there is there similar to what I was asking earlier about the value of having things that are branded that you're putting out there? Is there is there thought on if I'm going to be spending money on branding efforts, much of it is probably going to be some sort of advertising of some kind, but do you have from the industry is their thoughts on what of that should I carve out for this sort of part of my effort in terms of my branding efforts and in terms well, of spend? Okay, so you're talking about an ad spend and what part of yeah, it would a be percentage, a pro- roughly. for promotional products? I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the stats would tell you. I can tell you that you know you see most of the other forms of advertising require frequency. So if you're doing radio advertising mm-hmm. or television advertising or uh, magazine article, magazine um, ads, you're going to need frequency. You can't do one commercial or one ad and expect to get an ROI. Where if you're doing like that, go, I'll go back to that same uh, that same uh, Tumblr that you have. Mm-hmm. You got one and uh, and you use it. You're going to use it every day. So that uh, $3 Tumblr is going to uh, outcompete the million dollar commercial that you see one time, uh, or repeated after during the Super Bowl, or the advertisement in the magazine that you may see when you're sitting, when you're on the airplane reading the magazine. So, so th- that, uh, promo item has positioned it, has allowed the brand that is on the promo item to position in your lifestyle every day. And it's interesting because when I carry this around, um, folks ask me about it. You know, oh, do you, you work with Turner? Oh, no, my wife does. And it'll start a conversation about Turner. Yeah. And uh, so it's doing its job in that sense. And, and clearly having something that is good looking, because, you know, as, as water bottles go, it's it, it's interesting looking and, and uh, practical. Um, what are some cool things that are out there that uh, that are good to, to So, so to this through? is where uh, we have a great showroom in Emmon Park. So uh, and it's cool is a subjective term. Uh, I can tell you what I personally think is cool, but we have a lot of really creative people that are following the trends and understanding exactly what is around the corner and what are the really uh, the the waves of cool. But I, I am still a huge fan of the of a soft vintage tea. It is not um, it's it's not uh, reinventing the wheel by any stretch, but everybody loves a soft uh, uh, fabric that is touching your body that is uh that is super comfortable with a good fit that has it could have a vintage crackled uh, or distressed print on it something that would appear to be retail although it can be uh branded with corporate with with the corporate image and um and it becomes a person's favorite t-shirt so so we pride ourselves a lot of the giveaways we do uh icebox giveaways because we also do a lot of our own stuff um we the t-shirts are have always been a a favorite of our 
the people that receive them. Now I'm curious because your your business is promotional products, and we've been talking about how valuable it is for. Uh, and clearly, we we as a as a as a brand ourselves, we we invest in promotional products uh, like our mugs and things like that. But uh, as a promotional company, how much do you give away? We do a lot. So so we believe we we believe in our own brand. Uh, it's another differentiator from the industry. Most of our competitors are more interested in in writing orders and selling. And we are we of course we want to do that too. But we also want to be top of mind. And so we've invested heavily in our brand with sponsorships and through promo items and apparel. So we um, matter of fact, we have a whole se- section section in our showroom that is. For people that come see us, they can pick and choose what they'd like, and it, so they could bring home if they if they're a shirt person, they could bring home a shirt or a hat person or a bag or whatever. So, and we're constantly evolving and cycling through different cool items, and we try things ourselves first. Well, I think this has been really cool because the topic of the day was recycling and promotional products, which on on the surface could be fairly vanilla, but we we burned up almost an hour talking about it um just because the the people that we've been talking to today in gary blaze from encore recycling and jordy gamson from the icebox and then of course bo wilkins from the uh, sound river advisors group here um have a passion about what you're doing and trying to do it uh, at a higher level than maybe some of the rest of the folks that offer something similar in the same kind of space but as you said uh, investing in mediocrity uh, versus trying to actually establish a brand around what they're doing and it's re- really cool to get a chance to chat with you guys talk about where folks can go to uh, to your website and I know you're on social media as well we are so the probably the easiest way to kind of understand what we're all about the icebox is uh, iceboxcoolstuff.com and I, I saw you on Twitter I linked in uh, with you all there and and, uh, and folks can check out your, your Twitter feed and your, your Facebook as well. We do, yes. Yeah. So we'll get all tied in with your social media. And how about in Encore? Are you guys out there too? Yes, uh, EncoreRecycling.net. Go to the website. I'll tell you how to get in touch with us. Guys, I want to say thanks so much for taking some time to jump in with us. And Gary, for uh, kind of that last-minute invite and sitting in with us. I thought it was crazy interesting learning about what you do and all the cool stuff that you're doing out there with repurposing all those metals and, and so forth. And, of course, Bo, thanks for coming out again. And for the folks who are coming by to check out the podcast for the show, if you've not done so already, go to the upper left-hand corner of the show page to the Apple logo. That'll take you over to the iTunes store, to the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast. Subscribe to us because that way you'll be keeping up with all the cool experts that we're bringing to you on a weekly basis. And then we just got put up on uh, iHeartRadio in the last week. So uh, now we're streaming on iHeartRadio, which I'm really proud of. That's pretty cool. So folks can link up with us over there as well. And of course, on Twitter and Facebook. If you go to Twitter, we're at MidtownBRX and Facebook.com slash MidtownBRX. So tie in with us there. Hopefully you guys will, will follow us there as well so you can meet the cool executives that we're bringing to you every week guys in the studio thanks so much for your time and to everybody out there who stopped by the show to check us out today i want to say thanks so much because your time is important to us and uh we'll make an appointment to see you all same time same place next week we'll see you then